Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. Games have a very important job. They provide a way for us to escape from reality, to explore things that normally we'd never have the opportunity to do. So in this escape, I guess you could call it, you know, we're looking for another world. We're looking for this universe for us to go to. And games, whether board games, card games, mainly video games, especially the various genres we have, they all have different ways of creating that area for us to escape to. Now, standalone titles on their own are just fine. They provide a great experience all on their own for us to enjoy and explore. However, I want to look at something bigger. I want to look at the universes designed in much more expansive series. Now, various universes exist. You know, we have simple series universes, the ones like Kirby, Mario, and a couple other games that they are in a greater series. However, there's not much in the way of continuity between them. Now, I'm a great fan of Kirby, and I love it, but each game on their own, you don't see much tie-in between them. I mean, recently, Kirby Star Allies was great, bringing back old characters from various games throughout the series, but beyond that, the characters really don't interact with each other. The consistency you have is Kirby, Meta Knight, King Dedede, and of course, the well-loved Bandana D of recent years. Now, from there, you know, we have the almost sort of growing universe. Those games that are in a bigger series that are connected, that has some con continuity to it. Let's say, like, Call of Duty. Not my favorite series, but I respect them for what they've done. Over the years, they've created all these different games that, connected, when you look at them, have a very interesting story behind them that there are characters referenced from one game to another. You see them expand and grow. Some of them die as they go through all these different events, and it all makes sense if you really sit down and look it over and experience the games for yourself which is pretty amazing. However, it's mostly just the games, like Call of Duty, these other things like Pikmin. Maybe there's a few animated shorts or something out there, but there's not much beyond just the games themselves. Now, see, what I'm looking for is the ever-expanding universe. Those games that have that continuity, like Call of Duty, from one game to another. However, there's more than just the video game. We have movies, we have books, card games, board games, things like that. These little bits that maybe we're not into video games, or maybe we're looking for more beyond the game, and we can go out and watch this film. We can spend some time reading this book, and it just tells us more about what's going on. Now, one of the purest examples of this, of course, is Star Wars. You know, ever since it was created years ago with the first trilogy... It's created more movies, games, books, an amazing tabletop RPG that I love, and all other sorts of media. Now that Disney bought them out, they have an amazing theme park to go with it. But I'm not, I, I'm not a Star Wars guy. Like I enjoy it, I respect it, but I don't know the ins and outs of it. So I don't want to, you know, talk out my ass and pretend like I know it. Instead, I'm going to look at some other universes that I know very well to kind of get my point across of what I'm trying to say, and what I'm sure many of you also look for when you're out there with your games. And the first one I like to talk about is just Dead Space. 
Dead Space, for those of you who don't know, is just phenomenal. First, it was just created as a video game on the Xbox 360 that had this creepy, eerie feel to it that you're alone in space fighting essentially space zombies, what they call necromorphs, and just trying to survive. It was very simple, almost kind of like Resident Evil, this mix of survival horror that you're trying to conserve your ammo between stages before you can get to a shop or something to buy a few things. You know, upgrading your weapons, things like that, just to keep yourself alive against these beings that just won't die. Now, what I loved about the series is the game was amazing. The first game, loved it to death, still played to this day every now and then. I'll never get old. But it went further. Obviously, we have the three main installments, Dead Space 1, 2, and 3. They had kind of that spin-off Dead Space Extraction on the Wii, which was okay. It was on the rails, which isn't bad, but in terms of Dead Space, it didn't feel like Dead Space to me. But still an okay game. But from there, we also have two wonderful animated movies in Downfall and Aftermath. We're also looking at the novels, Modder and Catalyst, and then a number of graphic novels like Liberation and Salvage, and then other bits of media kind of floating around the internet. Now, what's amazing about this is everything ties together. Now, we're Dead Space 1, 2, and 3, of course, focus on Isaac Clarke and you as the player going through these necromorph outbreaks. You also get a chance to read the novels, like Modder tells us the beginning of the Church of Unitology and Michael Altman and kind of where the necromorphs began. You also get this wonderful tie-in where, as again, as Extraction might not have been the greatest game in my opinion, it gave us a chance to see what happened on Aegis 7. Pretty much the start of Dead Space 1. When you get to the USG Eastern World in Dead Space 1, the necromorphs are already there and you're trying to find out what happened. And you hear rumors of Aegis 7, the planet below, and what happened there. Well, Extraction, you get to play through that and see what happened. Now, and when you're on the USG issue more, there's this really awesome video log that you can find if you watch it. It shows the captain getting killed. Or maybe it was an accident, depending on who you listen to in the game. Go ahead and watch the movie Downfall, and you actually get to witness the build-up to that scene about building up how did it happen, see it happen... And then also, the line from the video log in the game is exactly the same way in the movie, word for word, said by the same characters. And that is simply just amazing. It's a level of care put into this to make us really love what they've created in the Dead Space universe. And then even from there, going back to Extraction, you have two people survive the outbreak of Aegis Seven and escape the Yuishi Ishimura. So what happened to them? Well, we had some wonderful DLC for Dead Space 2 that brought back those very two same characters for us to play and as they try and survive the outbreak on Titan Station out on Saturn's moon. And then we have the wonderful thing of the Oracles showing up in the salvage novel, graphic novel, and then also reappearing in that same DLC. Now, we're not sure if it's the same Oracles from both, but all we know is that these weird, creepy guys with rings and potential psychic powers popping up again. And now we're wondering, who are these people? They're obviously a threat. So what's important about all this? Well, it makes us want to believe in this universe. It gets us invested. So it's not just a one-off thing that, okay, I played Dead Space 1, that's it, I'm done. You know what? Maybe I'll read the book. Maybe I'll try out Dead Space 2. I'll go online and, you know, read up on a few things, go to their fandom wikis, things like that. It makes us want to believe 
that it's real. It invests our time in a good way. You know, you're not just wasting away that, okay, I just played a one-off game, I'm done. We can explore it. We may not be able to live it per se. Yes, you get to play the game, but come Dead Space 2 and 3, when Isaac actually has a voice, we kind of lose that sense of immersion that we're there. But honestly, I wouldn't want to be there anyway. I don't know about you, but fighting a bunch of space zombies is not exactly the most pleasant thing. But I digress. We have fun with it. And it just, it, it's enjoyable. You know, it's great when you find a game that's fun, and then you get to learn more about it. So Unitology is created, and you hear about it here and there in Dead Space 1. Dead Space 2 becomes a pretty big thing, and you get to find a lot of different logs that you can read, like text logs, maybe some audio logs, stuff like that, people talking about Unitology. Okay, cool. I get an understanding of where what this church is. And I hear about this guy named Michael Altman and this idea of, you know, make us whole and the universe is one living being. Where did that come from? Oh, Dead Space Martyr, the novel they wrote. A very well-made novel that actually explains the origins of all that. It actually tells Michael Altman's story and how the church came to be. And how it turns out, he was actually against everything. And the reason why it's called Motor is government agents killed him and decided to use what he found almost as a tool of manipulation, like creating this fake church of unitology to make people believe in, you know, these great space beings and space being, you know, the universe being one whole thing that people should protect and thrive in and all this stuff because they found out the markers actually were a great source of power. And they wanted easy access to the markers. So they made the Church of Unitology to have an excuse to dig up these old alien artifacts and use it to power the world. It's amazing stuff, and it really makes you think, like, something like this is almost real. Because the universe that is created for Dead Space is real with all this time and effort they've put into it. Now from there, again, that's just Dead Space. That's just... A handful of books, a handful of graphic novels, two really good games. The third game was okay in terms of the main series and a few other little things. But there was no card game or anything for it. For something like that, I like to look into something called the Android Universe. Now, for those of you who don't know, Android, first off, is one of my favorite universes ever created that started as a card game. And essentially, Android is this weird kind of mix of like a futuristic cyberpunk dystopian world set mostly in the, the city of New Angeles, essentially Los Angeles. It's just been renewed with all those technological advancements. And there's so much going on to it. You know, you have corrupt organizations, you know, in the back trying to run the whole city. You have a police force that deals with so many different things from Riots, shady dealings, terrorist attacks, and all sorts of crazy stuff. You have people with cybernetic augmentations that have started calling themselves runners, and they hack into cyberspace to uncover those dirty secrets of the organizations that run everything. And then you have androids, these human-like robots that have been created to do all the hard labor for people. All of this made starting as a card game. Now me, I'm a fan of cyberpunk, so... I was immediately interested in the game when I was first told about it. I'm like, okay, let me look into this card game. I'm curious what it is. 
And the card game does a really excellent thing of asymmetric play style. So you have one person being the runner, that cybernetic enhanced human being trying to find the secrets of the corporations. And the other player is playing the corporation. And now it's this battle between can the runner break through your defenses that you set up to steal your agendas and all the information you have before you. So you really almost feel like you're that person, like, okay, I'm risking it all. I'm risking all the money I have to break into the server to see if what I want is in there. If it's not, it's a trap and I feel crappy and now I have to take time. You know, you have to take a couple turns if you get hit with a trap to get your funds back that you wasted and all these other resources that might have been burned trying to get in there. So right there, you feel like you're there. And again, that's just a card game. We haven't looked at anything else yet. Probably the biggest thing to look at is The Worlds of Androids, an amazing book that was created like a compendium to give you everything you need to know about Android. And they don't write it as, you know, a book or a textbook or anything like that. No, they write it as if it's real. The people who created it have newspaper clippings, advertisements, photos, all sorts of things that if this was a real universe, it, was thing, it would be things you actually see. And then woven in there are the backstories of various important players. Like, how do the corporations come to be? Who are these certain runners? These special individuals? Little tidbits are thrown in there, like actual biographies for you to read. And then other bits of it are, again, like their interviews or their audio recordings that were picked up. And you learn more about the character, but you're not just reading it as a biography. The, the person feels real. From there it continues to expand. You know, when you first had the card game and you're just playing as a basic runner going against this corporation, trying to just steal stuff from them, the game continued to expand. As it continued to expand, you learn that in this universe, no, it's not just New Angels that we're looking at. The moon got colonized. Mars is colonized. They've created all these things and woven it together. Probably one of the coolest things that makes it feel real is when they talk about Mars... You learn about a civil war going on there. And because Mars is colonized, well, there's people who call themselves native Martians. And now you have these people moving to Mars. And you have these corporations trying to move in to control everything going on there. You know, the water systems, food, trade, all sorts of kind of stuff to be controlled. And so civil war breaks out. And I mean, stuff like this happened in the past. You know, just look at the United States alone. You have the Civil War between fighting over the right to own slaves. Now, it, I mean, it's a little different context, don't get me wrong, but so we've seen this. Like, we've seen Civil Wars break out over ideals. And so these people on Mars who believe Mars for Martians, and it should be run by people who were born on Mars, and it shouldn't be run by people from over here on Earth. Actually, forget the Civil War, that's a lot more like the United States fighting for their independence. With native-born Americans... You know, fighting off, no taxation without representation, all that good stuff, and us breaking off from Great Britain to be our own. Sounds a lot like that. And we don't even have that. We also have various books and board games going into it. So you play the card game. You read about everything in the worlds of Android and their compendium. And you hear about various characters. And one of my favorite characters being this guy named Flint. Private investigator kicked off the force for alcoholism. And you're not really sure who this guy is. Like, he pops up a little bit in one of the novels, helping out one of the other detectives on a case. But he's kind of in the back. 
You know, you, you hear that he's a disgrace and that's really it. And then he, he helps out a little bit because he can do like the dirty work that a cop wouldn't want to do. They want to stay on the force. That's really it. But then we get the board game, conveniently named Android, and Flint's a playable character. And now Android, when you're playing it, you're playing as a private investigator trying to solve a case, solve a crime. Okay, whatever. Seems pretty straightforward. But you're also dealing with your own personal stories. You have cards that you can play to improve this story card that's in front of you so you can get a good ending for your character. Because the game is determined, the winner isn't determined by who solves the crime. It's based on victory points. Now, solving the crime gives you some victory points, yes. But more importantly, if you get a positive ending to your story, you get a lot of victory points there. So, you know, we learn about Flint more. We learn looking at his story card, looking at the cards he can play, looking at the cards that opponents can play against you. There's a reason why he's an alcohol. alcoholic. He, long ago, was a fighter pilot fighting in deep space over the moon. And he watched one of his best friends die during the war. So now he's suffering flashbacks and guilt and everything of seeing that happen. So it makes sense this guy turned to the bottle in a sense. He is going through a lot. A lot of PTSD and stuff like that. We also learn that, not so much haunted, but he has an old flame, an old love that sort of disappeared on him, but over the course of the board game can reappear. And then you have to decide, do I reignite this old flame, which takes time out of me trying to solve the case? So you become Flint and the other PIs, depending on who you play, you become them. So now you're part of this universe. So you're not just reading about them on a, one or two cards or in a book. You're now this character learning about the story and playing out their story. Heck, one of the other characters, a cop by the name of Blaine, who worked with Flint in one of the novels, my buddy's playing as him one time and decided, screw this, I really want to solve this case. And so his story goes a lot like this. About to get a divorce because the wife's very upset that she doesn't see Blaine anymore. And also Blaine's a crooked cop in a sense that he's made some dealings with the Trimoffs in the area. And so since my buddy decided not to go dancing with his wife and decided to spend more time on the case, his wife leaves him and we suspect she might have gotten killed by one of his mafia buddies. Really serious stuff in just the board game. And now there's plenty of other things going on. We also have the wonderful New Angeles board game. A lengthy one, but a fun one. So instead of you playing as a private investigator trying to solve a crime, instead of you potentially playing as the runner breaking into these corporations, you're not playing the corpse. And you're trying to work together with the other people playing corporations to keep the city of New Angeles, the fictional city created for this universe, in check and running. Are we getting enough resources? Are we making enough money? Are people happy? Are we handling terrorism? Stuff like that. Now, one of the main terrorist groups, Human First, they believe in, you know, rights for humans. Androids start popping up. These robots are taking over our jobs. All sorts of, kind of like iRobot, you know, that fear of these robots are being created and soon they're going to take over everything. Well, Human First has the same feeling and they're very active about it. So when you're playing a runner in the Netrunner card game, you might have some connections with some of those human first people and work with them against the corporations. But when you play New Angeles, you're now the corporations, and when you see one of those human first guys show up on the board in the city, you're immediately cursing them out because, well, I needed the resources from there, and now these guys are stopping me from getting those resources. So you start to kind of see everything. You get a feel 
for what it's like to be in this world from all different angles. You know? It makes it just come alive. You know, I go from reading the book, which has ties in from all these various characters, and then those various characters, again, pop up in the card game. I hear about them in the board games. Heck, when they pop up as an asset in New Angeles, the abilities they provide you, if you win them in the bid, kind of tie into who they really are that you read about before, and you think, you know, Mr. Lee, that guy in charge of the mafia, yeah, he'd, he'd really do that. He'd really, you know, make give people money, but at a cost, you know? It makes sense because he's done that before and we've seen that before and we believe that. And then beyond that, the scope of everything, the way the games are designed and the way the books are written really make you feel like it's real time passing. So the series, the book series, the Identity Trilogy is about an android who's trying to find out who he really is because I won't get into the details. That's for another time. But some really wonky stuff happened when he was being created. And he's having these weird memory flashbacks of someone else. It's really strange stuff. But what's really cool is it's a trilogy. So there's three books in it. And the first book takes place on Earth. And the second book takes place on the moon and kind of him traveling from Earth to the moon. And then lastly, the last one takes place on Mars. And what's really cool about it is like, okay, the second book might not sound the greatest. Oh, he's just, it's him just traveling. It's him on a ship going from Earth to the moon staying on the moon a little bit, and then heading out. That doesn't seem that exciting. But what's cool about that, one, it is exciting. The way they wrote it and everything that happens is pretty exciting. But it feels real. You know, it's not just an afterfall. It's not just, oh, he traveled from Earth to the moon to the Mars, and that's, like, now on to the next book. It's not an afterfall. It's actually developed thoroughly. You know, because they, they make it apparent when you read the worlds of androids, the compendium, and they re- they talk about the space. And when you read about it, you make... You feel like it's real because they actually talk about how long it actually takes. And it does take hours for you to take this little shuttle from Earth up into this planetoid, kind of orbiting around the planet, and then from there, head to the moon. And the book covers all of that. The book doesn't gloss over anything. When you read that second book, it hits all those points. Him getting on shuttles, him stopping at the Challenger planetoid, him going to the moon, him finally finding a way to board another ship to head to Mars. It's all hit, and it's all real, and it's all seen in other media. Alone in the board game, in the Android board game, when you're playing as a private investigator, you go between New Angeles and the moon. Now, unless you have a special token that allows you to move to any location on the board instantly, you have to take pretty much a whole turn which is one day to go from Earth to the moon. And so you think to yourself when you're playing this game, like, is it worth going up to the moon? Or is it worth going from the moon back down to Earth? Because it's going to take me a whole day to do that. Do I have time to do that? Now, I'm kind of touching base on the mechanics of the game, but it is important to building the universe. Because we want it to be real. We want an escape from where we are into this. And it's not just the games. It are, those books are amazing. The Android books, I highly, highly recommend taking some time and reading them, especially if you're into kind of dystopian, cyberpunk, futuristic style things. Definitely take some time to read them. You will enjoy them. I guarantee it. And it'll definitely get you interested in everything else Android has to offer. Now, before we go off on this whole big rant of you know, all this stuff is great, we love it, we should do it, we should get involved in it. Obviously, there are some drawbacks to these great universes. 
of course, you know, they're fake, first off. They're not real. So there's a limitation there. Eventually, everything has to come to an end. Now, going back to my whole discussion about Dead Space, it was really fun. And, you know, I brought up that whole thing about the oracles. And now, we never really find out much about the oracles. And sadly, we never really have a chance. Since the main Dead Space series was in the three titled games, Dead Space, Dead Space 2, and Dead Space 3. Again, not talking about Extraction because it's kind of on the side. But the three main Dead Space games follow Isaac Clarke, the main character. And so the end of Dead Space 3, I won't spoil the endings for anyone who might still be interested in playing it, but let's just say that the end of Dead Space 3 is conclusive. It's the end of everything in terms of the series. The story comes to a close and all that kind of stuff. But since it was following Isaac Clarke, sadly, we don't really get to learn what happened to the Oracles. We really don't get to learn what happened to a few of the other survivors out there in the Dead Space universe because the third game never really had any logs, whether it be audio, text, or video logs that kind of develop it because it was focusing more on just the conclusion of this universe. So sadly, we'll never know. I mean, we can theorize, we can talk about it, we can assume things, stuff like that, all in well, but we'll never have something like solid and conclusive, sadly. So we have that to deal with, but we can still enjoy everything. Now, the other thing we have to worry about in terms of, let's say, Android, with these big expanding universes, if they continue, it's a matter of time. It's a matter of waiting. It's a matter of making sense of it all. So recently, Fantasy Flight, the people who paired up with Wizards of the Coast to revive the Android Netrunner card game and essentially just expand upon Android on its own, made an announcement. Come October 2018, they will no longer be supporting the Netrunner card game. They will no longer be printing cards. They will no longer be selling products. None of that. So it's been six years. They did a solid six years of making this card game, a card game that... Well, like they like to call it a living card game. And it makes sense. You buy a pack, you get all the cards in the pack, and the cards represent different characters and things like that. So the story expands over time in the card game. But now with the card game ending, where do we go from here? Now, they say that they are still going to support the Android universe and other forms of media. Again, they've made the books. They have the board games. They haven't made any movies yet or video games, but, you know untapped potential, potentially. Especially a video game, I would love one of those. But that's where the question lies, is what's next? Because this universe is so big, we don't know where it'll go. And it's almost, hopefully it won't, and this isn't to say a bad thing, but hopefully it won't go this track of like Star Wars. Star Wars got really big, and then when Disney bought it out from LucasArts, now Disney's trying to kind of put their own little stamp on it, but still trying to keep alive some of that old Star Wars feel. So the universe is now expanding on its own through Disney, but some of that universe expansion is contradicting things that have happened in the past a little bit, or, you know, fan theories that were created kind of get stomped out now because official canon was released in the movies or whatever. It kind of happened, like, with Serenity. I mean, great movie. And it was based on Firefly, which... I really want to watch that series because Serenity was a great movie, but like Firefly only had one season. Now, people want Firefly to come back, but I frankly don't want to because I feel if you'd revive a universe like that, 
well, those fan theories are going to get crushed to dust. You know, you're going to have all these great ideas of what should happen, and then they'll release an episode and be like, nope, that's not true. Well, crap. Now we feel terrible, and we don't want that to happen. So that's my feel. That's my fear for the Android universe. What will come next? And will it contradict anything in the past? Or will it make sense? With all of these different characters we have going on, you know, we need to keep track of all that kind of stuff. I mean, the card game recently kind of ended. Like, the last big cycle kind of focused on the whole Mars conflict. And that's, the, like, the last big thing that's mentioned. Like, the World of Androids Compendium, that's the last thing to touch base on is the Mars conflict. Well, we know it comes to an end. You know, some of the books hint at that. We know it comes to an end, but we don't know how. We don't know what the aftermath of this war is. And since the card game will no longer be supported, we lose that as kind of the drive behind the universe. So that's the question, is when we make these great universes to be lost in, we have an opportunity to delve into worlds that aren't our own to explore them and understand them, where's the limit? You know, when is it too much? Or when does it contradict what we want? Since we get lost in these a universe here, we kind of become a part of it and we kind of want to impact it. And then if something happens that we're not happy with, what does that mean? I mean, let's just take a quick minute to talk about Mass Effect 3's ending, which at this point, I'm pretty sure everyone who has played a game knows about what Mass Effect 3 did and how this great expansive universe, the end of the third game, kind of bit the dust and just wasn't pleasing. Because they had this great expansive universe with so many different interactive parts that spanned across the three games that by the end of the third game, there was too, so much going on that the developers kind of just said... Here we go. This this is the thing. You know, will Android have the same fate? Will it reach a point that we just kind of get this disappointing ending? Because it's a universe that almost can't because of it created so much history. The compendium created so much history inside it. You read up in that book actual historical facts, things that have actually happened, and then there's some rationale about how history has an impact things like the beanstalk the space elevator that leads from earth to the moon references old historical things like physicists and stuff like that people that actually study these things and then uses that rationale kind of pseudoscience to explain why the space elevator is a thing so since android has been created in a living way like that can it end and if it ends will it be a happy ending for us we're here right now living the Android universe, or we're living in whatever universe it is we decide to be in. You know, whether it's like Persona 5, which people have been loving, any other RPG that you can name. Like, When that ends, what's that going to be like? Or will it never end and we'll just keep going? Because right now, if it's really good, well, all good things have to come to an end. So when will they end it? Well, right now, we don't know. We can only sit and wait. And that's all for today. Thank you for joining us here at the Gaming Couch. 
We'll come back next week and talk a little bit more about what it means to create a great world for us to get lost in. Take care.